following audio is from Covenant Life Fellowship. For more information about our church and to stay up to date on all sermons, events, and news, please visit our website at www.clfroseburg.com. Good morning. There it was. Great response. Great response. Yeah. Just call me whatever. Call me whatever. We are, uh, we are talking about response today. Um, Dave York and I uh, talked a little bit about his sermon series, which has been just fantastic. I, I would highly recommend you go back and, and uh, take a listen to those. But the things that he's been talking about, about, the, about being persecuted and being in a trial and all those kind of things, those require a response from us to be able to handle them well, right? You, you can't go up against trials in life and, and, and not, not have some kind of attack, if you will, some kind of mode to move through them. And we would pray that in Jesus' name that we would do that biblically um, with, with God's authority in our lives to be able to take those, those challenges head on. So Christian life, the Christian life, requires us to respond. We have to. I would, I would challenge us that if we don't, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. Okay? Well, there's a lot of uh, different kinds of responses. There's uh, subjective responses. That would look like uh, maybe you getting angry. Um, recently, my, my beloved golden doodle um, became paralyzed from the waist down. She was my adventure buddy. She's been virtually everywhere with me for eight years. I take her everywhere I go. And all of a sudden, her hind end just stopped working. She can't control her bowels. She can't walk. She wants desperately to go with me everywhere and drags herself to the door trying to get there, you know. And I, get, I, got, I got angry at the beginning of that. Now, those of you that don't love dogs, first of all, you shouldn't be trusted. <laughs> you are an evil human being. And I expect repentance afterwards today. But you, you don't have that connection to that dog, so you're not going to react or respond the same way as I would, obviously, right? So that's kind of the uh, subjective kind of response. There's a psychological response. Uh, you might be like me, where um, I'll take on any conflict. I don't care. I'm a conflict kind of guy. That's my job requires it. Um, unless you come at me with a hypodermic needle, then I'm done. You win. <laughs> Can't handle it. I got a couple daughters who are the same way, right? They, uh, they don't like those either. So that's a, like a psychological response. And then we have um, maybe behavioral response, where things that we've grown up learning, things that have, um, that have taught us different ways that we respond to our environment. So you might, uh, you might know this. Ready? How many of those know what that means? Anybody speak sign language? Okay, so when I raised my daughters up, I wanted to be able to communicate them to them non-verbally. And the reason that I did that was because most of my job involves large groups of people. And so they were always in large groups of people, so I wanted to be able to talk to them across the room without having to use my voice because it was always loud. I would also do this. Just one quick whistle. Now, a lot of people would say, what, you training your dogs, your daughters up to be dogs? Like, what are you doing here? It's like, no. I want them to hear something that's different from the crowd. 
that stands out differently. And so not only did they learn little pieces of sign language, go get your shoes and socks on, time to go. Those kind of things, those are things that they've grown up just kind of learning how to do those behavioral responses. Now, I would say that my oldest daughter, Cicely, was really good at it. She was really good. And the, and my middle daughter would stare at her big sister for the instruction. So, <laughs> but she still did learn. But she would stand there and stare. Okay, this is what we're doing. Okay, right? So Vienna's behavioral response was to look at her sister's response, right? So that's uh, those are kind of things that we, we grow up learning. Those That's just an example. Well, everything in our world's like that, right? We respond to sirens, fire alarms, our text uh, vibration in our in our in our pockets, your phone ring, microwave beeper. Like you, you think about how many things that we respond to every day. Those little responses, right? How about this one? Play with me here a little bit. Who am I talking about? Da 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 da. Who's that? Say it. McDonald's. Good job. How about this one? How about this one? Oh, oh, oh. Ow! Right, you got it. <laughs> right? I shop at O'Reilly's just because of that jingle, because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that we respond to or that we're trained to respond to. Also, uh, symbols. Symbols. So you may recognize this. What does that stand for? The Olympics, right? How about this one? Easy. Nike, right? How about this one? Okay, let's get make this a little harder. How about this? That's right. How about that one? Thin blue line, right? Our support of our our police officers. Here's one that might be not not familiar to some of you. Don't tread on me, right? Don't tread on me. Those are maybe uh, not in some of you guys' vocabularies, but still recognizable to some, depending on how we're trained up. Now, there's some symbols that we see that we can instantly become uh, maybe excited about or angry about at the same time. So here's a difficult one for us. A lot of us recognize this, and we may think peace symbol, right? We may think peace symbol. Those of you that have studied history would know that that's the cross of Nero also. As a mock to Christian faith, the upside-down broken cross, right? That gets us really angry. One symbol that we may see that really gets us angry would be this one. (laughs) Disapproval from the front row over here. That's for you, bud. Uh, my name is Dane Tornell. I'm, uh, I've served as the executive director for Umqua Valley Youth for Christ now for nine years. Um, I have been with Youth for Christ for 25, uh, 25 years. Um, I have a wonderful wife, been married for uh, about 24 now, I guess. I have uh, two wonderful daughters and one other one. And um, they, no, <laughs> they're still in debate about who's who. I think they've figured it out now. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they are uh, they are definitely a joy. See, we're created uh, to be responders, every one of us. God's built us that way, to listen to him, to respond to him. That's what we're talking about today. This was revealed to me um, a long time this, this I guess this process of thinking was revealed to me a long time ago as I was training young people how to climb 
mountains. We, uh, we climbed a really hard pre-dawn uh, climb on Mount Hood. A lot of you are familiar with Mount Hood, tallest point uh, in the United States. Second most climbed mountain in the world behind Mount Fuji. Third would be our own South Sister. So top three, top two out of the three mountains in the world, top climbed are, are here in Oregon. But we're, we're going to climb this. If you look at the, this is the south face. You look at that south face, doesn't look very intimidating until you get a little closer. And that shows, that reveals that there are large crevasses, that the slope is steep. And then when you get up close to the top, it looks like that. And you're actually on all fours as you, as you get to the, to the summit of the mountain. It was a really super cold uh, and windy day. It had been for a couple days. Um, which what happens on Mount Hood um, is that it gets that south face gets so windblown that it turns into these big long daggers of ice as the wind is carving uh, through blowing the snow and and it it, uh, it becomes pretty dangerous if you were to fall. I mean most people aren't planning on falling. You have that gear on, but as we were gathered together as a group ready to come down that south face, we were looking down the slope and it was a typical Saturday cold Saturday morning, and a huge mass amount of people are trying to make their way to the summit, which makes that mountain uh, pretty dangerous just because of the numbers. As we were looking down the slope talking about our plan of attack, this uh, middle-aged gentleman was leaned forward on his, on his ice axes, resting from being exhausted, climbing that long, steep slope, and he stood up, and he went right over backwards, passed out. So near, nearing the uh, kind of the crux of the climb, 900 feet of steep slope below him, he begins ripping down the hill upside down and backwards, going through these long shards of, of ice. And it immediately starts to just shred him, his gear, to pieces. Pieces of clothing ripped off his body, pack ripped off, just cutting up everything. He came to a stop. And as you can imagine, people start moving towards him. Well, my crew starts heading down the hill as quick as we can, and we get to this guy, and we start caring for him. And during this process of caring, it dawned on me that, that human beings respond very, very differently. Some people were right to the task of caring for his wounds because he had a lot and he was bleeding. Another guy came up and said, dude, you got to get off this mountain as quick as you can, like, Stand up and get going. Really? Like, let's just, like, relax, bud. You know? Was it true? Yeah. Yeah, if he doesn't get off the mountain soon, he'll, he'll, he'll die. Right? But not real sensitive. There was a gentleman who said, can I pray for you? Yeah. There were many of us at the task of caring for his physical needs immediately, getting him warm water, food. We didn't know how long he was going to be there. But human beings respond really differently from each other, just based on the situation. I think, I think it, it does, it, it brings glory to God, I, I think. Because if we all responded exactly the same way to every situation, um, I don't know that we would necessarily meet the needs of people very well, right? God's built you and me differently to respond differently in different situations, kind of like a couple weeks ago. Our situation here at our church, the medical need, right? Nailed it. It's the right people, right place, right time to take care of our loved ones, right? So those, it shows us something. But when we, in regards to talking about our faith in Jesus, God doesn't give us the option of not responding. 
All of us are responders. All of us are first responders of sort to the call or the movement of the Holy Spirit in us. Each one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, each one of us is a responder to the Spirit of God in us. Right? Every one of us. There's a big difference between being a listener and being a responder. Let me pray. Father, this is um, not a mechanical issue necessarily. It seems like it. But this really has to do with um, a sensitivity in all of us. It has to do with that we, um, we have to not only be ready to hear, but we also have to be ready to act the same time. Lord, I don't want to make this sermon about religion or religiosity. But I want, Lord, and I ask your help, that I am able to show us the value of being a responder to the still small voice of your spirit in us. Lord, Lord, help us make that voice the prominent one in our lives, the one that we tune into perfectly. We ask this in Jesus' name. I'm not preaching through a section of scripture. Uh, we're going to be moving around a lot. So, um, so I put most of them up on the screen for us. So you're not flipping through your Bible super fast. But we'll be in, in James 1.22 to start here. It says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseverance, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if you were to look at the Christian faith like a map, okay, we often, we often view this large map. Maybe that map is the word of God to you. Maybe that map is a, is a spiritual direction that you're thinking about moving in your life. Like I'm going to be a pastor someday or something like that. But we have this, we have this big map and we say, okay, I'm here in the corner and I need to get up here somehow. And so I am just going to I'm just going to slowly follow this map from point A to where I need to be. I would challenge us that faith looks like us not just looking at a map but actually living the map. Right? Our life is the journey going from point A to point B. Our Christian walk isn't us just nodding or hearing the word and saying, "Yes, I agree with what Jesus is telling me," but that you live in faith in response, and actually go that way. So that manifests itself in caring for widows, caring for homeless people, speaking the truth and love when people needing it, you coming alongside somebody who doesn't know the Lord and living life with them to proclaim and to show them Jesus in their life. So those, so those aren't just points on a map. Those are experiences that we're supposed to have. See the difference? That's why God puts them in the Bible for it. Those aren't just great suggestions he's given us. Those are actually touch points for you to, to be involved with. Okay? I was having a great conversation with George Graham. I get to be the um, chapel coordinator, chaplain out at, at Umqua Valley Christian School now, new this year. Um, super fun. But I was talking to him. He was having a conversation with a young man. And he said, young man, do you do you 
know what the word says. Yes, yes, I do. So then George says, well, then what does that do for you? What does that do in you? And he says, I don't get it. I don't understand. George says, if you don't respond to what the word says, then you become numb to its truth. Ooh, that hit me. That was good. So George, that's you're absolutely right on. Right? Friends, if you don't, if, if you're feeling, if you're feeling like you're unproductive right now in your Christian walk, if you're feeling like that you're not having an impact, I would pray that you would submit your heart to the Lord and then stop talking, stop moving, listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and go. Notice who's first. God's first. God goes first, then man responds. There are literally hundreds of stories and verses in the Bible that would support this. So let's have fun with a few here. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit goes first, whom the Father sends, right? And then what's our job? Our job is to remember what he says and to respond, right? All that I've said to you. Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also what? Walk in the Spirit. So there's our journey across our map. Okay, Those of you that have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you should know that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives in you. So that Spirit in you That spirit in you is telling you how to walk if we listen. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Any of you guys feel hopeless sometimes? I do. I do. I feel hopeless. But who comes first here? God does. God fills us with all hope and joy and peace. And then that produces something in us. Galatians 5, 23, one you're probably familiar with. But the fruit of the Spirit is, so this is the response or the product of being a Christian and being guided by the Holy Spirit is, that means you will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, right? So the cool thing about this is that you don't have to possess these things to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You possess these things because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. See the difference? You don't have to have get your, your stuff figured out before God is going to do an amazing work in you. God is going to do an amazing work in you because of your faith in Him. You've got to get the order right. God first, then us. Okay, we can go on and on. Literally hundreds of verses and verses about, about God first, His Spirit, and then the movement of man. And also, also the Scripture shows us very well those who don't listen to the Spirit. Think Jonah. If you haven't read that story, there's a guy who had the Spirit very clearly speaking to him and said, no, I'm not listening. And then we get to the results, right? I don't think any of us in this room would push back on this importance of responding to the Spirit. I don't think any of us would. What if you could uh, put a little uh, earpiece in your ear and... God, through the Holy Spirit, would actually give you play-by-play. Wouldn't that be cool? I would love, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get that tech going on. That'd be great, right? 
Dane, here comes Robert Sidlow. I know he's hard to love, but here we go. This is what we're going to do. You're like, thanks, God, I got this. Next action plan. None of us would, uh, none of us would think that wouldn't be a great idea. Problem is, we got so much noise, so much chatter going on in our ears that it makes us makes it real hard for us to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. I was climbing uh, um, Pomori in Nepal, 2001. And there's about a 35-mile trek through the mountains to get to Everest Base Camp, where you kind of attack Pomori from that point. And I was with a, um, a Sherpani. His name was uh, Pasong, which means Tuesday, because that's the day he was born on. There's seven boys' names, seven girls' names. <laughs> so he was Tuesday. And we're sitting up on top of this beautiful crest, and I started sharing Jesus with him, with Pasong. And he says, I know, he, you know, Buddhist. I know of Christianity. I know of Jesus. Um, he said to me, he said, it would be really difficult to be a Christian in America. You believe in the spirit. America is too noisy. It's like, you're so busy. You have so much going on. You have so much wealth. You have so much activity. How do you even listen? So he understood the listen concept as a Buddhist and got it, how hard it would be for us. Yeah. Again, we need to be people that don't that does not just listen, but responds to the Holy Spirit. John fifteen twenty six says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Who will? Who who will testify about Jesus? The Spirit does. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second, Dane. I thought that we were supposed to go out and make disciples. Wasn't that the Great Commission? Go, you, 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 Christian, go and go make disciples? Well, how is it that is then what this says? Because we can't go and make disciples unless it's God first, then us. Our disciple-making is the response of the Holy Spirit living in and through us. That's only how a disciple is made. That's the only way that a disciple is made. That's just secure for us solid right there. Why we, if we even have a chance of seeing someone come to know the Lord or discipled in the Lord or for our churches to grow as if you and I are living in response to the Holy Spirit. Look at your notes. Um, this is kind of a little bit of a Baptist feel. But uh, there's four points here that I'm going to talk about. You can be sure the Holy Spirit is at number one. You can sure be you can be sure the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to you when you are being shown how to exalt Jesus. Now, in my 25 years with uh, Youth for Christ, I have worked with literally hundreds of different churches. That's my job. How to how to help people go be disciple making disciples to raise up our next generation of of, of followers of Christ. I think many though are led astray when they think that following the Holy following the Holy Spirit is about them. You ever heard the term my spiritual gift? Folks, listen, that should make you cringe as a believer. It is not your spiritual gift. 
God owns that spiritual gift. God owns that spirit. He gave it to you to use. It's not yours. You don't own it. It's God's gift to you to be used for his glory. That's a big difference there, right? Take out these two, uh, these two verses. This explains to us really well what the spirit is about. First John 4, 1 through 3, really important. It states, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but this you know the spirit, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So when a false spirit is presenting itself into someone's life, the motivation of that person is, is going to be to exalt him or herself. That's why we got to be careful when you say, this is my spiritual gift. Really, this isn't about you. This is about glory to God, right? So people might do it in a really religious way that looks really good. The Spirit of God told me to do X, Y, Z, right? But if it doesn't exalt Jesus Christ, then it's not of the Lord because the Spirit's job is to do what? Show Jesus, not the person, Look at John 16, 13, and 14. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So if you ever have the question, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Here you go. Here you go right here. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point people, to point a situation, to point an opportunity to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. That's all. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Lead people to Jesus Christ. I'd like to share with you a, uh, a real life story of somebody. I'll do even better than that. I'm going to have them come up here. <clears throat> of how the Holy Spirit worked in somebody's life. This is uh, Carol Sherwood. If you don't know Carol Sherwood, you need to. This is, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest um, women I've ever met. Maybe, maybe in the top five I've ever met. Okay, she's special. I know, she's shaking her head because she's so humble. It's my honor to get to uh, work with her. She is the director of Parent Life. Parent Life is a um, is a, um, a a system, if you will, under the umbrella of Youth for Christ. We have a lot of mis- ministry models under Youth, Youth for Christ. Um, Parent Life is one that we have here, and so Carol uh, directs what this looks like. So I'm going to ask uh, Carol a few questions here. Um, Carol, how long have you been a um, a Jesus girl, a Christian? Twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Um, <laughs> have you had a um, a professional career here in town? I've had two careers um, that I started with as a dressmaker and a designer. And then when I moved here, I became a teacher. So I've been doing that. I did that for 20 years before I retired. Okay, so now you work with um, young teen moms. So what drove you to want to do that? Well, the beginning was about a few years after I became a believer. I started, I was certified as an infant massage trainer. So I went into the high schools around the county and taught infant massage to the teen parents there. And then after that, it just stayed in my heart. And 
as I went through teaching and everything, I knew that when I retired, I did want to get back into some kind of ministry, and I didn't know what that would be. So then how do you know, how did you know that parent life was kind of the way, the way for you to go? Like, I mean, so what happened that would cause you to want to go and to serve in the way that you do now? Well, you did, yeah. Dane spoke at, at my home church, Redeemers, about five, a little over five years ago, and he talked about the need for someone to work with teen parents. And after that, I have no idea what he said because I just cried the rest of the time. So I know the Holy Spirit was leading me there. Now, uh, when you started, were you nervous, scared, anxious? Yes. Yeah, to be honest. All of those, right. yeah, yeah, sure. Right. Uh, did you have all of the logistics figured out beforehand before you started going to work? Not a one. Not one? No. No. So you, you, you literally had to say, Lord, I've, I've felt your calling and I'm going to go. Yeah. As a teacher and a dressmaker, I, I would know how to get from point A to point B and all, all the steps in between. And I'm a pretty good organizer. But with this ministry, I know maybe the next step. And that's it. And I'm just, I have to totally trust in the spirit for that. So you do a wonderful job. So somebody, everybody in here knows how many young ladies uh, and babies and maybe young men involved in the situation do you currently uh, work with? Well, I have contact with 27 moms or moms to be, well, they're moms, uh, 17 dads and about 31 kids. And actually between services, I just got the name of another mom. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot. Did it all happen in one day? No. It's no. been building over five years. That's great. So there are people in this church, actually, that serve uh, alongside you, right? Yes, there are. Yeah, that go to our church. And just so you guys know, um, our, our church, Covenant Life, gets uh, used regularly to uh, host events for our teen moms. Um, so that's a, that's a great thing that our church gets to help uh, support is bringing these young moms in to, to share with them uh, the love of Christ. So that's pretty neat. So um, last question, super important. If you were a, a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Chocolate brownie thunder. Chocolate brownie thunder. There it is. I think that uh, that brings uh, a lot of glory to God because there's an example, I hope, for you of what faith looks like, right? Is she looking at a map and knowing exactly how her journey is going to lay out? No, she, she didn't. She, she stepped out in faith and said, Lord, use me. I have a passion here. Here we go. Stepped out in faith and went. We don't like that very much, do we? As Americans especially. We got to get it all detailed out. I got to get my timeline. I got to have my... That's hard to step out in faith. Let me challenge you guys. It is the most wonderful place to be as a believer in Jesus Christ, I promise you. Is it going to be hard? Is it going to be scary? Absolutely is. It's terrifying. Terrifying. We'll talk about that uh, Talk about that later. Number two on your outline. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, He will focus on producing the fruits of the Spirit in you. Okay, let's have a little fun here. If you have three hours of free time, what are you going to do? Three hours of free time, you get to choose whatever you want. Go ahead, shout it out. Take, take a shower. Brand new mom right there. That's like the ultimate. Take a shower. How about you? Play golf. Play golf. There it is. What else? A movie. Sit and watch a movie. Nice. What else? Come on. 
Digging the dirt. You like gardening, planting stuff, making things into dirt. That's great. Come on, don't be shy. I can't believe that uh, you guys are this boring right now. Three hours, do nothing. Be with your friends, right. Go on a hike. Nice. Nice. Ride your dirt bike. What are you, some kind of weirdo? With Dane? (laughs) That's right, let's do this. Right, it doesn't take long. If you if you have any conversation with anybody at any time, it it is revealed in a real short amount of time what their passions are, right? What they love to do, the things that they're involved with, right? The the fear that I get in my heart sometimes though is how are how do those passions how can they start to own me? I ran a mountaineering school for 15 years. And when I started that school, my sole intent was the gospel of Jesus Christ being given to all these hippie kids in South Eugene. That's what I was going to do. These kids want to be outside. They want to climb mountains. I like climbing mountains. And I'm going to climb mountains with kids. I'm going to share Jesus with them. Well, what happened was that the school became very successful and very popular. And we started being in the paper and article, you know. And so all of a sudden I start moving about in my life being known as the climber guy, not the guy who loves kids in the name of Jesus. I'm popping a lot. Anything I can do, Rex? <laughs> Rex is like, I got you. Um, see, see how the dangers, the danger can happen? We get so passionate about something that it becomes our idol. And that can get that can get scary. But listen, friends, listen, just like all of us respond differently to the Holy Spirit, you can respond different differently to the things that you are passionate about. Also, What are you doing? Now now I just think we need to have lunch afterwards. There it is. All right. Let me try to, try to reiterate. Should I? Okay, should be good. I'm just going to not wiggle the best I can. All right. All right, got it. Got it. Same things. Uh, same things true about the Holy Spirit, too. God will speak with you about anything that you bring to him in prayer, right? There's not a subject on the, on the map, including your hobbies. But when it's time for God to bring up that subject matter, like me and climbing, he's always going to bring us back to the fruits of the spirit. He always is. Let me give you an example. Maybe this is you. Maybe this is you. You say, Lord, if you could just make me wealthy. 
I'm going to be wealthy in Jesus' name, I promise. In fact, I'll probably just give all the money away, right? I mean, that'd be super fun for me, Lord. So if you could just make me wealthy, right? And then what does the Holy Spirit do inside of you? Uh, Dane, you are um, impatient and you have no self-control. Ouch. Fruits of the Spirit. Okay, Lord, then maybe just a undefeated basketball season or, or, or just maybe a state championship, just one. Mm. Dane, is this really about you here or using basketball to touch the hearts of young men and women through the game of basketball? See how our passions and our desires often become an idol, but the Holy Spirit will convict us and use those fruits of the Spirit to show us where where our idols lie so well. I love that about the Lord. Yes, it hurts, but I love that. So what should our response be to these things? Are we, is, is, Dane saying, is Dane saying, don't go golfing? Don't go fishing? Don't go hiking? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Don't hear me wrong on this. He's saying, Lord, use me. That's what we should be saying. In response to Christ living in us, Lord, use me in my golf game, in my passion for riding dirt bikes, in my desire to hike. Lord, how can I use how you have built me for the kingdom? Let me temper my passions with the fruits of the Spirit then you are a pastor in the realm that you care so much about. Isn't that amazing? The things that you love become a platform for the gospel. Amen? Amen. That's good stuff. There's somebody uh, here that I'd like to bring up. Her name is uh, Brenda Mikowski. Her um, husband's name is Ted. They're members here at the church. And uh, so you recognize this face. Brenda um, is involved in a lot. She does a lot. This is another amazing woman that I get to work with. Um, and she's got she's got a very unique story, but what I love about her, what I love about her is her sensitivity to the spirit, and the sensitivity to the spirit in regards to her personal story. So I'm going to ask her some questions. Is my uh, is my headpiece still going? Turn me on, Jamin. So can you tell us about the uh, the ministries you're involved with here in town? I mean they're up on the screen there, but tell us a little bit about those. Yeah. You forgot one. I forgot one? <laughs> no. Yes, I'm involved with Appellate uh, Youth for Christ um, in this fashion. Um, and also, I am a um, relief staff for Safe Haven Maternity Home. So that's what I'm doing right now. Well, when I look at it, it looks overwhelming, but it's not because I got on my knees and, and I suggest that you all consider to do that. Get on your knees and pray and ask for God to show you and lead you to where he wants you to be. Because I retired and um, I thought, okay, now what am I supposed to be doing, Lord? And he showed me. Um I was a bookkeeper for many, many years, and the financial bookkeeping position came open at Uncle Valley Youth for Christ, 
And what a wonderful opportunity. I get to work for a nonprofit doing uh, something that I'm very skilled at. But then there were other areas, like being a, a parent life volunteer. I was a teen mom. So I can relate to the pain and the suffering that these young people have, but I just admire them because they have chosen life. And they are walking um, in darkness out there in the world, and I didn't have Jesus by my side when I was a young teen mom. So it's challenging because a lot of times they don't want to listen to what I have to say, but as I'm holding their child and I'm, I'm walking alongside them, I know that God's got a plan. It's not my plan. It's his beautiful plan. Yeah, it's it's completely transformed my heart. Um, the selfish side has put a is put away now, and I just run boldly and know that the job's not done. Just keep going and persevering. And so it's really changed the way I look at the rest of my life. I thought, oh, I'm retired. Oh, now I get to just play in my garden all day long because that's what I was doing for a while. And uh, then, like I said, just that still small voice just kept pounding me when I took time. Uh, we have an actual prayer um, uh, leaning, uh, what do you call this, uh, bench in our uh, sunroom. And after all the busyness of raising children and caring for my mother-in-law until she passed away and all that busyness was pushed to the side and I took time and just listened, listened to what he had in store. It was like this door just flew open and all these things came Beautifully crashing in, so it's been a great journey. Yeah. Wonderful service with us. Pray with me, if you will, Father. I want to live in response uh, to who you are, what you have done, what you are doing, Lord. In in my little my pet loves, my hobbies. My work, my relationship, my, um, my, my, the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my daughters, the way I ride my motorcycle, uh, the way I spend my time. Lord, that, I, I want to be one that responds to you in your spirit in the simplest things in life. Lord, even my next breath, my next heartbeat to recognize that you are God in, 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 in the simplest of things. Lord, that's a different way to live. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Going back to Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, love, joy, peace. We understand that. If I live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if the Spirit is, is talking to you about dating, about your career, or about some other desire that you have, how do you know that it's truly speaking to you and it's from the Lord? Any of you asked that question before? How do we know that that still small voice in me is from God? I think it's a really important question. We've, we've talked about the fruits of the Spirit, about how God's going to point us that way. But it's, it's, it's hard to recognize what is truth and what isn't. Right? Yeah. Our spiritual act of worship, friends, is to, is to move, to respond to God. We're going to talk a little bit more about how we recognize that, but... When God is convicting you of something, he's saying, Dane, 
here is sin in your life. Let me point you to the Holy Spirit. What is our role to do? Our role is to respond to that and to repent. Go the other way. Lord is working on us somehow. Number three, the Holy Spirit's truly speaking to you when the word of God is illuminated to you in your heart. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen through 14, Paul warns us not to believe everyone who claims to be telling the truth because even Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So this begs the question then, like I asked, how do we know if God speaking through, so- is, is it God speaking through someone or is it just someone else's great idea how we should leave, live? How can we know that we're actually being led by God or by Satan? Well, in John Calvin's book, Institutes of a Christian Religion, he states this. He says, since Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, what authority can the spirit have with us if he be not ascertained by an infallible mark? Lest Satan should insinuate himself under God's name, God wishes us to recognize him by the image which he has stamped on the scriptures. The author of the scriptures cannot vary and change his likeness. Such as there he appeared at first, such he will perpetually remain. So in other words, whatever you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you personally, you should be able to see those exact same truths, those principles, those guiding ideas in the Bible as well. We have some kind of reference for us in the scriptures. We should also be able to see God's stamp of truth on other people. Young people, listen to me real quick. Listen. If you're considering a tattoo, a piercing, a friend group to hang out with, some college school choice, do I drink, do I not drink, do I have sex, do I not have sex, none of those topics are evil on their own. But you need to ask this question of yourself. Does your choice bring glory to God? Does it edify, does it support the local church? Does it grow the people around you? In your choice making. And does that choice that you're making draw you personally closer to Jesus? Or does it make you look more like the world? See, some people say that uh, Satan loves lies. I would argue that Satan actually loves truth with like 5% of a lie. And then he keeps interjecting those into your life over and over and over again till pretty soon you press on with your sword drawn full speed into this world believing a lie, thinking that it's the truth. Thinking that it's the truth. Well, much much like a human fingerprint that clearly identifies if someone did or did not touch something, the Holy Spirit can be used like this as well. When we carefully compare what we are hearing personally to what is already written in the Bible, stories already written on people's lives, you then have a reference to be able to make better decisions. And then we can go. Then we can win. Then we can produce great things. The problem is, is our flesh, our flesh clings so deeply to that 5%, that little lie that's involved in that truth. So how do we determine it? I'll give you an example. Hold a $20 bill. A bunch of years ago, I was in the Valley River Mall with my family, and I walked in there with a $50 bill in my pocket to buy us some lunch. And I went up to the counter... And I slapped the $50 bill on the, on the counter and he gives me some change. I took the change, put it on my tray, walked back to my room, I, or back to my table and I sat there and I looked down and I said, 
there's something weird about that $20 bill. I'm looking at it, looking at it. I can't figure it out. And then I remember, oh, yeah, the little magnetic strip, right? So I hold it up to the light to realize that the identifying magnetic strip wasn't in there. And I start looking at it closer and realize I'm holding a counterfeit $20 bill. So I go over to the uh, to the security guy and I said, hey, that restaurant over there just gave me this counterfeit bill. Here. He takes care of it, blah, blah, blah. I get my real 20 that I needed. This is a great example. In our federal, in our federal mint, there is a large group of people who do nothing but study the money. They study every little line, every little marking, every color, nuance, all of the images they put on there so that they know that money perfectly. So that when a counterfeit bill comes across, they're immediately able to look at it and say, false, false, false. Friends, that's got to be us. That's got to be us. We're not going to recognize a counterfeit spirit unless we know who the real spirit is. We're not going to be able to understand a false doctrine unless we know the real doctrine. You won't be able to identify it. False doctrine is going to come along. You're going to grab that false doctrine and go, that's sweet. Put it in my pocket. You think we have any examples of that around our culture today? Oh, the list is endless. We have to resist our flesh to want to love something fake and fall in love with what is real. Number four, when you receive peace paired with a biblical plan, this is usually the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Usually. So imagine again that Jesus is walking next to you, giving you play by play. This is great stuff. So great talk, great sermon, great, great examples in your great life. Nice story. And then all of a sudden those, those things go away and you're on your own. And then you say, I got this. I got this. We walk away from church and we say, okay, now that I've got that good information, I've got that word in my heart. Now I'm going to live my week trying to apply what I've just learned. Friends, I would argue that that is a very postmodern Christian mentality. Friends, we need to be living with the Holy Spirit now. 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 Not Wednesday night at D group. Not Sunday morning at church. But moment by moment listening for that still small voice of God. So instead of putting our religious activity on a calendar, our Jesus on a calendar, Jesus is our calendar. So moms, instead of just driving your kid to school in the morning, have little Jimmy read Romans 1 the best he can and then talk about how God reveals himself in our in our nature and our world. Go to the grocery store, buy your groceries, thinking about how Jesus can use you in the next the next person that you are going to run into. How you go to your boss who you don't like very much. Take Jesus with you. How you treat your coworker who's a punk. Treat him as Jesus would treat him in that moment. Moment by moment by moment. That's when Dave when Dave York says our our faith lived out in the mundane, the moment by moment, the regular stuff. Okay, that's what that's that I think is just powerful, powerful stuff. Okay. We've been having an amazing sermon series, haven't we? 
that first Peter. Well, these sermons have boiled it down for me personally, and that is my inability to emotionally deal with problems at my job and my life and my finances, um, what they give me because I don't, I don't seek to listen to God. I don't slow down enough. I'm very capable. I got this. I'll figure it out. Leave me alone. Or maybe you do this like I do. I take Jesus and put him into a little subject box. All right, Jesus, I'm going to put you in my, uh, uh, in, in my finance box right now. And Jesus, this is how I would like my finances to look. So we hold on real tight to Jesus right there in our little finance box, right? And then in my relationship bo- box with my wife, you know, I shove it in there. I shove Jesus in there. I'm like, Jesus, man, you got to get this woman figured out. Like, she needs to change because, right? We do that, don't we? If only she would understand. No. No. Going back to Jesus works on you and your heart towards those things. God first, then we respond. That's where the fulfilled life of a believer comes in. Hardships, pain, struggles or not, we still, we get to live in joy and have hope because of Christ going ahead of us, not beside me. Jesus going ahead of us, not beside me. Last Sunday, Dave focused on this, uh, on this verse, 1 uh, Peter 1, 3. He says, uh, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So because of Christ, I have a living hope. My response has got to be a living hope. If you are born into a living hope because of Christ, then my response has got to be a living hope because of Christ. Do you show that well? It's hard, right? Sometimes. To show that living hope? Lord, friends, let it change how you get up in the morning. Let Jesus Christ change how you come out of bed in your struggles, in your pains, in your hardships. That you can say, I am born into a living hope of Jesus Christ. Bring it on. Bring it on. What's this world got against you? Not a whole lot compared to what Jesus got. Right? It's going to be hard, but he's got you. My Dan uh, Reeves, great friend of mine, he always does this. He's driving down the road and he says, Hey, Dane, the Lord put you on my heart. I decided to call you. Let me say that one more time. Hey, Dane, the Lord put you on my heart. And I called you. God first, we respond. Every conversation that I have with him is helpful. He listens to the hard stories that my job, my, my job gives. He laughs with me all the time. He says, Dane, your job, you live on the corner, you live on the corner of pain and suffering. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm there a lot. I feel like I'm there. See, folks, everybody loves to hear about all of the great things that Youth for Christ is doing with young people. There was a point where we were working with almost 500 kids every single week with Bibles in hand, learning about Jesus Christ before COVID. Numbers went down a little bit after that. But they love to hear about the Bible studies and the trips and the events and the, you know, adventures that we do and all that. And so people get real excited and as they have a conversation with me and then I say, hey, 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 I've got a 14-year-old boy, which by the way was sitting right there this morning. I actually use him personally as an example. 
got a 14-year-old boy who has never had a man in his life ever. Would you, would you consider taking him on and mentoring and discipling him? Crickets. I get really excited about seeing all this stuff go on until I say, can you help? Can you take on one person? One person. doesn't have to be with Youth for Christ. I don't care. I don't even need Youth for Christ to be a, a disciple-making disciple, right? But God's called every one of us, every one of us to proclaim his name. I'm just opening up the doors for you to do it. I'm giving you the training to be able to do it. We are really good. I think our world is really good at hiding from us what's really going on. What's really going on. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about election fraud. I'm not talking, I'm talking about the realities of the hate and sin that are going on next door to you, in your, next to where you live. That's what I'm talking about. Beatings, depression, suicide, porn, sex trafficking. That's happening now in our communities to our young people. I get my greatest peace and I get my greatest understanding and clarity from God when I am worshiping God, not after a kid gets helped, not after the kid problem gets solved, but during, knowing that the Lord is doing something in the life of this young person. Dave had a great quote last week. It's up on the screen here. It says, in suffering, we begin to worship. In suffering, we begin to worship. Now, all of a sudden, living on the corner of pain and suffering is, is a good place to be. We have about 30 people in our community who are mentoring our, our young people. Two things that they say before they begin mentoring somebody. They say, this is really scary, and I'm not equipped. And my answer to them is, yep, you're not. You're not equipped, and yes, it's very scary. What I hear from those same people after time goes by, is they say, I've never been closer to God in my life, and I have grown so much in my faith in Jesus because of my time with this young person. Because that's how God has made us to be, friends. He's made us to do that work. We are his ambassadorship, given all the tools necessary to go into this world and proclaim the name of Jesus. Yes, you're not equipped. Yes, it's scary. But he's gotten that all, he's got that all taken care of for us. Can I challenge you with this? God made you and me to worship him through loving others. It's part of our design. And friends, if we don't respond this way, we are missing it. You're missing it bad. God's not going to tell us what our next 15 years looks like. He's not going to draw out every detail on the map for us to get to where we're going. He wants us to live by faith. Live in that unknown, that state of true reliance on him. John 14, 26 through 27 gives us this wisdom and gives us peace. He states, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to, to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace 
I give you. Our church takes this, uh, this very serious, this response mentality. Robert Sidlow has um, started a new, kind of a new uh, uh, momentum in our church, if you will. And it's, uh, it's fruitful discipleship-making practices. I was fortunate enough to be in a home group that he came to, and he gave a, he, he went through, like, this is what I'm hoping to be able to produce in our, our church and what it looks like. It was fantastic. It was so good. It was so right on. Folks, if you are afraid to, to, to do any sort of outreach to an, an unsaved person, you need to talk to Robert Sidlow or myself. We're going to work together on, on a lot of things to help you become confident in what, and how to tell your story, how to tell Jesus' story. Our church is owning this. That's, that's a great thing. If a church is in a place where it is, it has decided to put money, time, and effort into equipping its people to get out of the church, that's a healthy place to be. And that's what we're doing here at Covenant Life Fellowship. That's awesome. Take advantage of this. When he comes to your home group, turn your ears wide open and listen to what he's got to share. It's great stuff. So thank you, Robert, for your efforts. And we look forward to uh, seeing a lot of fruit from that. I'm done. I'm going to pray. Lord, truly, if we uh, aren't living in response, I would say that we're not living. Lord, by your design, you've given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. I think about that scripture where you say, where you said to your your people, I'm going to leave you with something greater. If I was in that situation, I would be I'd be questioning that a little bit. I would. Knowing who you are, what you were about at that time, and you say you're going to leave us something better. You did. You said you're going to leave us a counselor. And that counselor is going to live in us. Lord, it's for a purpose. We know what the purpose is. That's to bring glory to you, to point people to you. Father, I would ask in Jesus' name that you would help me personally to listen and respond. Not just be a hearer, but be a doer of the direction that you're pointing me. Lord, I'm okay. I'm okay with not seeing the map out in front of me. I'm okay with not, not, not having a, a comfortable flat road to walk on. I'm okay. Lord, because in our faith, in our journey, you will produce fruit. That is your promise, Lord. So I want to live there. I want to live in response. I want to see fruit in my life, not because I want to, because it makes me look great but because, Lord, it gives me a greater faith that you are God and that your promises are real. So, Lord, we pray now not because it's just something we do mechanically. We pray because you are the Lord of Lords. You are real. You are our Father. So we go in Jesus' name. Help us to respond to the Spirit today. Amen. This sermon has been proudly given in response to cherishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to watch all our sermons online. For more information about Covenant Life Fellowship, visit us on the web at www.clfroseburg.com.